yeah, so we're going to uh, hope that everything works right because uh, lots of scriptures and a few slides and lots of things. And, and so uh, I'm going to not name this person, but one of my former favorite pastors who I used to listen to all the time, I still in my heart know that some of his teaching, especially on the Old Testament and Greek and Hebrew, is some of the best that I've ever heard. I know that he spoke into my heart and my life for four, five, six, maybe even seven years, and I appreciate that, and I'm a don't-throw-the-baby-out-with-the-bathwater kind of guy. I do believe that there's been some theological changes that I don't agree with, okay? But it is not mine to diminish another man of God. I want to talk about the good things, all right? And so I went back, all right, and I found one of the sermons on the topic we're preaching on uh, and was listening to this guy. And it's in a series called Jesus is Difficult. Jesus is Difficult. And, and he calls out that a lot of times when the crowd came around, the bigger the crowd got, the more firm and more um, um, up, up in your face and the more harder teachings Jesus gave, all right? It's almost as if he was thinning out the crowd. And I find it hysterical that this is by far and away the largest crowd that we've had in, in weeks and months. So maybe you're here because you're about to find your place. Maybe you're here because I'm about to weed you out and you're going to go somewhere else, all right? We're good either way, okay? Uh, we really are. I'm not here to push anybody away, and I'm not actually here to draw anyone in, all right? I'm here to preach the word, and if that's what you want, we might be a good place for you if you, if you, can, you can handle me. And, and if not, that's okay, right? That's okay. But this is not an easy passage today. Let me be clear, all right? Everybody raise your right hand right now, everybody. Mr. Preacher, I acknowledge that you are not targeting me. Okay, as long as you know long as you know, okay? Because what I have to say, I've said before, what I have to say, I've read before, what I had to listen to, I've listened to before, and it still rocked my world because that's what God's word does, all right? Especially when it's true and it's real and you got things you need to work on because you know in your heart you want to be better. You know in your heart you want to be more. You know in your heart you're not there yet, and the journey is part of what God's blessings is about us, okay? So you ready? All right, Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Let's break it down, all right? 80s rap style, all right? Break it down. If, say it again, because most of the time you skip, but it's going to be important today. If, somebody say if. If your brother or sister sins, Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they do not listen, Take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or more witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, take it to the church, the, the community. 
And if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. There is an assumption here that must be understood. Jesus is teaching the Jewish people who live in a community culture not cultivated by the church. The church in and of itself has not been established at this time. It's a lifestyle that they live. Who they are as Jewish people is ingrained into a barter, trading, I need you, you need me, society. That society that we always discuss here. Chip guy needs salsa guy, all right? Chip guy also needs queso dip guy. We've never mentioned him, but we're going to bring him in today because he's important, all right? All right. Steak guy needs salt and pepper guy. And if you don't know that, stop cooking. And if you think that steak needs ketchup, also stop cooking. That's not in the Bible, but I'm just putting it out there for you, all right? I would call out the well done people, but I might lose my worship leader because I'd lose his wife, okay? <laughs> All right, so we're not doing that today, okay? And if she has a problem with me, she's going to bring it to me. I promise, all right? All right, so there's an assumption that is made here that my house is built next to your house. And when I say next to your house, we share a wall, okay? So if something is going on in my house, it is affecting your house. We travel to worship together up the mountain, right? And our children travel up the mountain, right? And if somebody stumbles or somebody's load is there, you can say that's on you, but it's not on you. Because we're going together, your limp, your load affects the entirety. So understanding how they lived in community and understanding the effect that adversity has on the journey of the community is paramount to getting this passage. You cannot get it without what I just said. In church, we are called. It is one of our core values, all right, from the gospel of John. I, I, I will never quit quoting this. You should be able to quote it as you get older, all right? I pray not only for them alone, I pray also for all of them who would believe in their name through your message that they may be as you and I are so that the whole world may know. We are called in Christ to be unified as one. And everything that happens that separates a single link from another link does something to the entire chain. Now, you can say all day long, sound equipment, this is a great analogy. Sound equipment runs through um, um, faders. Sound equipment runs through gains. It runs through wires. It runs through equalizers. It runs through compressors, all right? And each thing does its job, right? So if you buy an $80,000 sound system and a $20 compressor, do you know what you have? A $20 sound system. If it goes out, can you bypass it? You can, but it's not as good as it would be with. Hold on to what I just said. When removed, the system as a whole is not as good as it would be 
quick to hold back thoughts. Smallest word. Biggest impact on how we begin. Okay? When there is an assumption that we're all working together in unity and if there is something that occurs between two individuals that causes some kind of issue, all right? It doesn't matter how small the issue, all right? Because of the nature of people, it affects us. Let me explain. What did I say last week were the, were the hardest four words to hear? And I got a giant hallelujah, amen out of Cassandra. Do you remember what they were? We need to. What happens to you after you have found a way to say, okay, for the next two, three, four, seven days, before that conversation happens, what goes on in your mind? Everything. What goes on in your spirit? You start dissecting things that don't even deserve to be dissected. Have you noticed they've been wearing a lot more green lately? Does that mean they're envious of me? Have you noticed she changed her hair? What did I do wrong? Let me explain why the if is most important before we proceed. Because the if says, I'm going to find out about the perceived wrong. If a brother sins, and the Bible, the translation actually should sound like this. The most accurate translation of this passage is what I'm about to tell you. Hands down, I'm not claiming it, I'm saying it. Okay? If a brother sins and it might be against you, comma, go. It entails an encompassing thing. The sin might affect you personally and you should go to them. But if they're caught in sin, it will eventually affect the whole community. And your intention should be the love and the hope and the salvation of your community, which looks a lot like this. Community is assumed. There is a connection. There is an intimacy. There is a protection. There is a symbiosis that makes us all better. Okay? If. Not because they. Not can you believe they. We go to our neighbor and say, hey, I love you. I was wondering about the photos I saw on your phone of another woman. Can you clarify that for me? If they are caught in sin, it's going to affect everybody, children, grandchildren. But perhaps it's innocent. So we approach the individual, okay, with an if mentality. It might be true. I want, I want to sort this out. I want to know if I, how about this? I want to know if I perceive something wrong and I am the problem here. 
so that we can be reconnected. Let's look at a few verses. Proverbs. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. Ready? To search out a matter is the glory of the kings. We are not God. Our bloodshed does not overcome sin. Our heart and compassion for hope and for joy and for peace and for forgiveness is not in his realm. If God wants to cover a matter, so be it. If he wants to reveal a matter, so be it. But on this earth, the wisdom of kings is to search the matter out, not to let the matter stir. Not to let the matter stir. Who? hey, can, can, can the pot not call the kettle black here? Let's just acknowledge the next couple I don't like the flavor of, all right? Whoever loves, I love the sound of them. I don't like the pushing through of them. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But Jesus' kindness, whoever hates correction is stupid. Loving words from our scripture. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. I think Jesus, I think Solomon wanted to be clear that there's not any debate here. If you crave discipline, then you're looking for someone to come to you and help you. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. The way of the fool seems right to them. I didn't do anything wrong. I am who I am and I am correct. I will do things my way, my how, and you do not. You can speak into me if you want to, but me taking it, it ain't going to happen. Because I, but the wise, listen. To advice. There's a, there's a tone in some of these, a tone in the word listen, a tone in the word wisdom that talks about craving. There's an underlying tone in the Hebrew of the Old Testament where these talk about craving. Where there is strife, oh Lord sweet baby Jesus, where there is strife there is in order to have strife there must be a tugging of some sort. Okay, that's what causes the strife. If there is a tugging of some sort, there are two involved. It might be Satan and God pulling at your heartstrings. It might be your mind and another person's mind pulling. But wisdom is found in those who take, and this more is receive, listen, not just hear, advice. Stern discipline might just be like, yeah, me, please, please. Thank you, sir, might I have another, right? No. Stern discipline awaits anyone who leaves the path. But the one who hates correction will die. If you continue to move on the path that you're moving that is incorrect spiritually, the end result is death. And so, if someone's yelling at you to get off the path and you go, I'm going anyway, you're stupid. Preacher, that's not very nice. Wasn't me. Talk to Solomon. Those who disregard discipline. Oh, can I talk a little bit about the 
No, can I just say the increase in very true mental, personal health issues. It's exponential over the last 20, 30 years. Totally exponential again in the last 10. And it starts here. Those who disregard discipline, listen, despise themselves. The root of a whole lot of our mental health issues is how we feel, how we see, how we understand, how we control our hearts and our minds. And we literally dislike who we are. Now, then it goes way down a lot of paths. We think who we are is what we do. We think who we are is what we become. We think who we are is or is not being a mother, being a father, being a pastor. Way deeper. But this is thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Listen to me. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves. But the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Now, this is five, six, seven different verses. Are you catching a theme here? Are you catching a theme here? May I, for the sake of my relationships and my community, because I need the queso guy, because I need the sweet tea guy, not the one from Michigan, sorry, but the one from Alabama. It's a different thing. Say, because I need this person in my life, because God called them to the same body and plugged them into the same body, many members, one body, as me, I need them and they need me. And the best thing is not to let the fog get foggier, not to let the thick get thicker, not to let the sick get sicker. The kind, loving, most beautiful thing to do, even though it's hard, is go to your brother. Someone comes in my office. Someone, any random one, Bartholomew, since there's none of those here, comes in my office. Hey, did you know that such and such was doing such and such about this? I spoke to Francis and she spoke to Selena and uh, we decided we needed to come to you. Have you gone to them? Well, no, I wanted to make sure from the... Fail! Fail in triplicate! Fail one, fail two, fail three, fail! Go to your brother. But Craig, I wanted... No, you didn't want to know. You wanted their opinion and their opinion, and you, you passed along information that wasn't yours to pass along. Let's go to one of the... Not, not biblical but something for you to take home. Let's go to one of the wisest mans on the planet, Socrates. Remember Socrates? Socrates had a test. There's an old story that some attribute to Socrates. I'm not going to say if it is or if it isn't. I'm not getting into a social media debate. The story's good. And it says someone came to him one time and said, I really, really, really got something to tell you about so-and-so. And Socrates said, that's great. 
Let's see if it passes the three tests. Let's see if it passes the three tests. What, what, what are the three tests? What are the three questions? No, no problem. No problem. Is it true? Question number one. Is what you are about to say to me true? Well, I, I, I don't know. I just heard it and I wanted to tell it to you. So what you want to say to me is not true. Okay, okay. Is it good or kind? Does what you want to say to me, good or kind, to me or the person that you're telling me about? Well, no, actually, it's exactly the opposite. And I, stop, 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 stop. So what you want to tell me, you're not sure if it's true. You know that it's not kind. My third question, because there's still a chance, is it helpful, necessary, or beneficial to me or the person of whom you speak? No, actually it's not helpful or beneficial to either one of you. So you want to tell me something that you're not sure if it's true, you're not sure if it's kind, and you know it's not beneficial. Please don't share it with me. Can I get you to write this down, take a photograph? tattoo it on your forearm before you say something about someone else to anyone ask yourself if it's true if it's kind or if it's beneficial save ourselves a lot of fog well pastor are you different hmm. yes and no as a member, as a person, as a body, I am not. But if you come to me, there's, there's an inherent confidentiality there. If I take the information, though, and do not send you out to them, I have failed. I, I have failed. So the answer is, I will always be there to receive your questions and to help guide you. You should really go to the person first and I'm going to send you there anyway. Okay? True story. Have I gotten this right? I have. Have I failed in this? I have. I have. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not intentionally. You, you've done that. You've gone to a friend and you've said, hey, I was wondering about this, and it's out before the friend realizes that, that you've said something that you don't know is true, don't know is kind, and certainly not beneficial for them knowing about somebody else. Just between the two of you, hey, I was wondering if I could find out about this thing so that we could talk about what needs to be done or if I just need to move on and how we can reconnect so our whole community can be fully connected. If they listen, not here, listen. Here is it landed. Listen is it landed and I have received what you said and will act upon it. They may not act the way you want, but there will be some acting upon it, doing it or not doing it, still acting, all right? You have won them over. There is nothing further to be done. The relationship is restored.
But if they will not listen, okay? If they will not listen, that's when you go to another person. At this point in time, you are not including someone else in what is untrue, what is unbeneficial, or what is unnecessary. At this point in time, you have clarified the sin and you have come to the conclusion that the sin is impairing the beloved. And if the sin is impairing the beloved and the beloved won't follow, then someone else is included to help pull the beloved along. They are included to bring the beloved along, all right? And it is done in love. You do not pick your person who's on your side. When you go to a second person, you ready for this? There is the chance that you're wrong too. Call someone in between you who is not afraid to say, nah, bro, you messed up. It ain't about them. This is your thing. If you're not going in with, I could be wrong and they could be wrong, you're still wrong. You don't call a favor. You don't call a cheerleader. You call someone who can speak love and discipline into you. All right, and then the two of you move forward. Now, here's where I think the church gets, that is difficult and it's hard. It's messy, it's ugly, but here's where the church as a whole gets ugliest and messiest because the mistake can be made in a drastic number of directions. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church now. The church could be a small group. The church could be a, a Bible study community. The church is just a, a collection of people, and it could well be the church. And the church as a whole would strive to pull the person off the stupid path onto the right path, to take a part of the body and not amputate it, but restore it, right? If they still refuse to listen, now, first of all, if somebody who loves you has run to you and said, get off the path, you're going to die, and you say, no thanks. And somebody else who loves you says, you're on the path and you're going to die, no thanks. All of you would go, well, that person's stupid, except most of us need to be looking in the mirror, right? But if everybody that God has called you to be with says, come home, and you refuse to come home, I want you to listen to what happens right there. They have not put you out of the home. Hear how all that worked? You have left the home. If you're so far out there that their call to you is to come home, you have not been kicked out. You have voluntarily left. And there's a faction that comes in here in how to be a leader and how to be a follower and how to be an elder. And here it is. Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. What does this mean? Pagans and tax collectors were the ones that were the outcasts. They, they, when, when Jesus told stories and the Pharisees said, the sinners and the tax collectors, they muttered. They were the outsiders. They were the, the unloved. They were not a part of the congregation, right? So the idea is if the church can't win them over, kick them out. Okay, you remove it from the body so the body doesn't get more poisoned. Here's the problem. They're already gone. 
And I need to look at the person who's saying these words, Jesus, and what he did with his example. So my question then becomes, okay, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? He said, let's, he said get down out of that tree. He said, let's go eat. He said, bring your friends. There is a massive difference though. A massive difference between doing things that love you and doing things you think love you. In the last two weeks, I have heard, it wasn't said, it was spoken loudly within earshot of me about faith and about Christians and how it's, and I can't repeat that word from here, but a big B and a big S, all right? that you won't love me for me and my choices. Your definition of love and Jesus' definition of love are not the same. I will save you from your life of prostitution. Go and what? Sin no more. So Jesus loved... But Jesus set what? Oh, it's not in here. Boundaries. That's on me. Boundaries. Jesus loved, but Jesus set boundaries. Hey, Craig, I, I know I'm screwing up, and I know I still am, 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 I'm, I gotta make, I don't even know. Um, I'm eating 75 gallons of ice cream a day. 75. Saved me from saying something that one of you would come back at me for. <laughs> I'm eating 75 gallons of ice cream a day. Well, that's bad for your heart. It's bad for your muscles. It's bad for your children. It's bad for your spouse. It's bad for your body. It's gluttony, so it's a sin. Might want to stop. Well, I'm not going to stop, but I want to teach children in the children's ministry. Should a child eat 75 gallons of ice cream a day? Well, no, I would never teach them that. Jesus ate with Levi. He celebrated with Zacchaeus. He watched them change. He did not put them in charge of the BBS. I don't have boundaries because I don't like you. We set boundaries here because we do. And we like everybody around you too. And we respect their children and their grandchildren. And so things got to change. Everybody in this room loves it, loves it. I get more amens when I say, I will love you where you are. I cannot leave you there. Some of you want to be left there and you want me to love you too. It's not love. Stop it. In men's ministry yesterday morning, this verse was the beginning. We are strong, ought to bear with the failings of the weak. 
not to please ourselves. The Bible's hard. Because somewhere in all of these beautiful verses is a very difficult path that deals with difficult people who all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, who are all dealing with different issues and different emotions and different things, who have been provided a healthy pathway to relationships that must be navigated. And when we don't understand, we navigate it with help. And when we don't navigate it with help, we navigate it with the help of those around us because that's who we've surrounded ourselves with. And we learn to say to ourselves, do you know what I need? I need, I crave correction. I crave direction. I don't want to be the same guy tomorrow that I am today. Stop comparing yourselves to those around you. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And if you were sitting in the pew right now, right now, and you are not a stronger believer, a stronger servant, a stronger humility, a stronger uh, memory verse person, a stronger Christian than you were five years ago, I have failed and so have you. And I own it. No more. So you let me know when you're ready. Crave it. Blew my mind last week. Full-grown parent. Right after church. Tears in their eyes. Do this for me. Do this for me. Okay. Let's go. Let's watch people become. Can, can I tell you, this is nothing, but it's everything. Last week I asked, anybody want to take down church decorations, right? That's all I said. You want to take them down, let me know. One lady comes up and says, hey, I'll head it up. Just, you know, let me know, all right? One more person comes up. Just tell me what time, all right? Get through the week. Somebody calls me and says, I didn't tell you, but I'm in. Somebody else calls and says, I'm not in, but this person is, which I thought was hilarious, but they were in fact in, okay? So I sent a text out to those four ladies. I knew it was a lot on them, but they were gonna handle it and I knew they would. Yesterday morning during men's ministry, I find out that another one of those ladies had called her small group and the small group leader had told everyone and there was like nine or 10 adults here yesterday going to buy boxes, taking down trees, running vacuums and in 90 minutes, the church looked better than it's looked in a long time. I can't love that more. And that Sunday school club, we're not having small groups. They met this morning for donuts. Why? Because they could. And, and donuts. Not 75, that's a sin. <laughs> if your brother sins, if your sister sins, if a member of the body is falling, their journey stumbling and it's going to affect relationships it's going to cause a fog between people because he told her and then she told him and now him knows something about he and him and he have a fog there that shouldn't ever be there and pretty soon there's a, it's just ugly and it's nasty and it's not Jesus and you don't need to do it after you've gone to them you want to yank me in I'm there I'll run to fix the body, to fix the leg, the arm, the ear, the heart, the soul of our congregation. I'll run to you. If you don't want that, God bless you as you find a church home. 
But if you want that, it's time for our six-year people and our six-month people and our six-week people who have been with us to hold hands and let's go worship on the mountain. And when somebody falls, let's pick them up. And when somebody fails, let's correct them and let's do it God's way. A real believer craves this. I apologize for where I have failed. Encourage in, in humble instruction, in failing to, to, to listen deeply enough at times. I will do better. That will be my growth. Okay? Let's be healthy. Let's get messy. Let's grow together. If your brother sins, go to them. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it beneficial? If they will not hear you, bring in a beloved. If they will not hear you, call in the most loving crowd you can find. And if they will not hear you, chase them. Pursue them. Love them. But set boundaries. The only people who get angry about boundaries are the people who want to break through them. Let's pray. God, make us a church. God, make us one. Help us grow. Bring us courage. Teach us how to love. In Jesus' name, amen.